What's going on, buddy? Today's guest, he's opened over 30 restaurants, got new ones popping up all the time, big in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know him as Chef Joey Majuri, coming up next. Oh, my God. I'm Chef Joey Majori. You smell this? I've opened over 30 restaurants. Oh, my life. But what I'm really good at all this money. is flipping restaurants. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Burndown. Today's guest is our first culinary guest, world-famous chef, as you might know him. Very popular in Scottsdale, the Sicilian butcher, Hash Kitchen. And that man is no other than Joey Majori. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing good. Welcome. So I'm glad I'm on. Brother, we've been trying to get you on for a while now. It's been almost a year. My bachelor party was last I'm, August. It's crazy, man. I'm opening restaurants and cooking. You guys got the life. I'm going to switch it over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Cigars and eating go hand in hand. So I'm okay I with that. I love it. <laughs> so it's been... Uh, I was trying to we're trying to connect how we actually got connected. It took me a while, I think, to put one and one together. So, for the people who are listening and watching, I went to Scottsdale for my uh, bachelor party. So my brothers said, "All right, we're gonna go to a spot hash, and this is the first spot we get back when we land." I said, "Okay." So you know, we're all on Instagram posting about it, this and that. <laughs> and then I get home, and then I I know I'm talking to you, and we're just like casually chatting. You know, I love cigars, this and that, and you're like, "Hey, I want to send you stuff." And I'm like, all right. And I'm not thinking anything of it. And then yeah. I get the mugs, I get the t-shirts, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, how did I get this? I'm like, I was how did I get this? And then Epiphany, I was like, oh shit, Joey is the owner of Ash Kitchen. <laughs> that would make sense. It's funny, but my my good friend that I smoke with, Mike Affronti, is from Brooklyn. He he watches you guys. And so that's how the connection was. I saw it one day and I saw the video with you drinking out of the mug. I go, no way. I said, this fucking guy's got a hash mug on? And I said, so that's how it connected. Oh, yeah. no. So he followed me on Instagram, and I guess he showed you. He showed me, and then I started following you guys, and I'm like, all right, I love it. Oh, that's a, I love how that works. Social what a media. small world, man. Right? Like, Very small. Oh. So I know you've been super busy opening restaurants left and right, but you know we do have the, the Brunch Life Hash Kitchen <laughs> mugs. So we got the coffee ready. Our yeah, I'm going to start pouring that out while we get this thing uh, rolling here because but, I got a mug with no coffee. So I'm, I I don't know what to do with myself, okay? <laughs> are you are you going to be smoking? Probably not. You're, it looks like you're in your restaurant. No, I'm at an event. Right after this, we're working on an event. I got 100 people, a bunch of Italians coming in to do some Italian chamber event tonight. So I'm, I'm over here Thank tonight. You. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let, I'll smoke when I get home and I'll think of you guys. Perfect. Yeah. Sh shoot us a picture. Make sure you're smoking something good. But yeah, I you saw, I saw uh, last week you had like some like Mexican restaurant, like wrestling uh, <laughs> festival going on. Yeah, I opened a new restaurant called the Mexicano in Scottsdale. And uh, we had Cinco de Mayo, of course. We brought in the Lucha Libre wrestlers from Mexico. We did a big three-day event. You know, we go big out here. What are you going to do? I you love it. You have Nacho Libre there? <laughs> yeah, we had them all out. We had every... <laughs> so why we uh why we uh get our cigar cut and light let me ask you the first question that you know people who are listening and watching who don't know joey majori you know who is joey majori let's hear it come on chef joey majori baby gold chain chef of arizona originally from new york you know i was born in rockland county suffering oh yeah oh wow then the family yeah family was in the bronx brooklyn arthur avenue all over the place but they started going into Jersey, and my dad decided he was moving to uh, Arizona. And so 1979, I think, he, he decided to bring us out here in December. It was snowing over there. 
we came here with Sonny and never looked back. Oh, wow. So you moved to Arizona in what, the late 70s, early 80s? Late, late 70s. I went to California for about 19 years and opened restaurants. But, you know, the majority of my life in Arizona. That's crazy, man. So probably going from Brooklyn, upstate New York to nice sunny Scottsdale, probably a big change for New Yorkers. <laughs> it's nice. I, we miss New York friends and family, obviously, but, you know, it's nice out here. Do you ever do you ever go to New York at all? You have family still here? Yeah, pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-COVID, they all live up upstate, still in Suffering, Rockland. They, uh, well, before COVID, we were coming out every year. But now, you know, with COVID, we got to get out. Now I got to go to Italy and do other stuff. But we'll get there soon. All right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too far away from you. I mean, I'm originally from Long Island. That's where we shoot our podcast. Oh, nice. Justin's from Long Island. But I live in, uh, I live in Westchester now. So I'm only like 20 oh, minutes perfect. away from, uh, from the Tap and yeah. Z Bridge. We still call it the Tap. Oh, nice. The yeah. Tap. Yeah, it's still the t- you know what's You know what's funny is that uh, you mentioned that is, I was driving every time I drive upstate because my fiance and I want to move upstate. And so we're driving up there, you know, we're visiting all this stuff. And even on the uh, on the GPS, it still says Tappan Zee Bridge. All right. Yeah. It's always I go, and, I, and I take a screenshot every time. I'm like, it's always going to be the fucking Tappan Zee. Never. I'll, it'll never be the Cuomo Bridge. It's always the Tap. Always okay. the Tap, baby. You got you to show respect. Yeah. What are you guys smoking? So now obviously I can't smoke for now. I'm at work. But what do you guys smoke? So right now I'm smoking the Drew Estate Undercrown Sungrown. Mm-hmm. And that's actually funny because I didn't even think of this. I'm smoking the Ashton VSG, which is the Virgin Sungrown. Hey, a lot of Sungrowns uh, over there. It's only is, right. Sunny state of Arizona. This is the Churchill size. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so uh, so tell us, uh, you know, we're going to obviously dive into cigars. But before we get into cigars, we always talk yeah. about cigars. Let's talk about how you got into, you know, becoming a chef like how, where did it all start was it way yeah. back then with grandma's sauce or gravy however you yeah. call it i don't know that's you a know, great that's question always, that's, that's always the question right so we might start with that one do you call it sauce or gravy <laughs> well it depends what day of the week it is on sunday we make gravy during the week we make sauce oh! <laughs> i love it you know we could, make the sugo on sunday yeah that's it the no, sugo my father my father's a mat was a master chef he passed a year ago but he was a master chef, came from Sicily, uh, started cooking it all through New York, and then decided to open his first pizza place. He opened it. It was called Patricia's Pizza, and uh, it was in Suffering, and he had that for a while, and then he went from pizza to fine dining Italian because he was a trained Italian chef, and we came here. He opened his first restaurant here called Tommaso's, still open to this day. So as a little boy, normal kids play with cars and little basketballs and shit. I was playing with knives, cutting tomatoes at the restaurant. So <laughs> I didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your father is a legend in Scottsdale in the current culinary world, correct? Yeah, yeah, he did a lot for this town. He says he taught Geronimo how to eat spaghetti out here. <laughs> he started, and when he came here, it was just, there was all cowboys and, and one Italian. Now it's, uh, you know, a culinary scene that's exciting. So he did a lot for it. Wow. So you he started with one restaurant, and then obviously you know you took all. How many restaurants do you have total now? Right now we have well, if you count hash, which I just sold fifty one percent, I own forty nine to a bigger restaurant group. But I have seventeen restaurants. My father opened uh, twenty three restaurants in his career. My wife and myself have opened forty three so far in our career. Um, so we open them, sell them, keep them, whatever you're going to do. But we're going a little little different way now. Yeah, because yeah, I uh, I was watching a little thing about you and, you know, you were saying, hey, listen, I'm Joey Majori, opened over 30 restaurants. You know, I'm good at creating restaurants, but I'm really good at flipping restaurants. So so what, is, what does that mean? What, do we, what Talk about a little about that. <laughs> that was for a show we did with Food Network. It's uh, So we flip restaurants. A lot of times, like second gen, we call them restaurants. Restaurants go out. 
in your neighborhood or good places and they just sit empty. So we take them, we go in and flip them or we help owners that are really struggling. You know, they, they can't do it anymore. They want a partnership. They want someone to come in. So we go in and we flip the concept. We take it from what a Chinese to Italian, Italian to sushi, whatever it's going to be. We take it and we flip them, make it fun. And usually we sell them within a year. So we do it just for a business flip. Like you would flip homes, we flip restaurants. I like so that. you're like the uh, the John Taffer of the restaurant business, <laughs> yeah. right? Where he flips bars yeah. and makes them better. You flip restaurants. I like that. That's it. That's it. And how long were you doing that? How long was that on the on the Food Network for? Well, it was funny because we filmed it right before before um, COVID. So it's still sitting there. It hasn't gone anywhere yet. Oh. So we're hoping that they, they launch it. But we did another show prior to that, 2010, called Family Style. We were opening a restaurant in California. And we'd like a family cooking show that did one season. So it's fun. But I like to do the business side of it, man. Like flipping it for money, having fun, making dough and cooking. You know, that's that's the fun. At the end of the day, it's all about making dough, okay? <laughs> like, money makes is, the world go around. As much as some people, you know, they don't want to admit it, it's the damn truth. So, Look, we all do it. I, I love the restaurant business. But without money, being a little second place love, you know. Yeah, exactly. Tough. You always got to make, make money, right? That's it. So, so what is it like um, growing up? So, what was it about? I guess being around your father, but what was it that intrigued you about? You know, cooking, the culinary world, wanting to own a business, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. Like, where did you get that passion from? Yeah, I mean, the, the passion was when you when he would create a dish and they'd bring it to a customer, and the customer saw it, and their eyes lit up, and they tasted it, and they couldn't wait to see my dad or tell him, "God, that was the best pasta I had," or it reminds me of my childhood. I mean, that's. What the chefs? That's why we do it. You know, creating something that's memorable for you guys to say, "Wow, you made that restaurant, made this pasta." I mean, you guys could all remember something from somewhere. But you know, I do foods now. I do stuff that, as a childhood, like I have a restaurant called Sicilian Butcher and Sicilian Baker. We do all the pastries, all the cookies, all the stuff the way my nonna used to make it or my wife's family used to make it. And so, like, when you bring that back, you get people coming in from New York, Chicago. They come, they go, "God, we haven't seen these in." 40, 50 years, my grandma used to make it. I mean, that's all the hard work, you know, for that reason right there alone, it's exciting, you know? Man of the people. Man of the people. So what, so what's your what's your favorite uh, dish to make? Like, is it, it could be a dish, you know, you created yourself or yeah. a dish that you've been making for, for years, a dish that you're known to make. Like, what's yeah. one of your favorite dishes? You know, it's a staple. I do Vielo Sobuco. And it's because it's one of those things that my dad used to do, you know, you braise it for three or four hours with, aromatic herbs and vegetables, red wine. It's just rich demi sauce and it. The meat falls apart. It looks sexy. And it's one of those dishes that when it comes out of the kitchen, the bone's standing up tall, looks sexy. And everyone's like, wow. So as a little boy, I always saw him do that on Fridays and Saturdays. It was like, God, when I get older, I'm going to make that at the restaurants. You know, I'm going to do that. So it's one of those dishes that I think I perfected, but it's, it's a fun dish. Now, is that your favorite meal to eat or is that, is that different now? No, the favorite meal to eat is pasta, man. I'm simple. Pasta picchio pacchio, we call it. Fresh chopped tomato, garlic, butter, basil, extra virgin olive oil, fresh meat pasta. To me, simplicity is the best when you eat. A simple yeah. man. Yeah. Simple man. My, my wife's my wife's so my wife's all Italian. Her whole family's Italian. So her favorite meal is garlic and oil. She'll cook garlic and oil. Oh, I love it. Every, I love it. With fresh grated cheese on top. None bad. Oh, some chili, Ooh. some Calabria. I used chili. to do that when I was younger with uh, what my dad is. We used to watch um, uh, Bob Ross, the painter, and then there was another show, and I can't remember the guy, the guy's name, uh, but my dad used to just make the pasta with you know garlic and oil or like butter and cheese, and that was it. 
Just simple. simple. But lots, I love lots of cheese. I always put lots of cheese. And then when you get to the bottom where all the oil sits and the cheese collects. Mm. And if you get a little piece of bread and you <laughs> just, bread. oh my God. It's the best. <laughs> it's, it is oh, the best. Man. Uh, you you can't be best. terrible for you, but you're not eating that if you're trying to be it's healthy. Good. Okay? It's good for you. <laughs> Come on, man. You got to indulge every once in a while. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah, so absolutely. good. It's like, it's, it's the butter and oil with the bread. As soon as you sit down, it's like, Sebastian, I got to have bread within five seconds yeah. of sitting down at the table. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> I got a piece. Of, I don't know what to do with my hands. I need. The, I need something. <laughs> now, and um, I mean, as you know, Italians they overindulge with food. You know, if it's a fa- if two people eating, they're cooking for a family of five, and you know, every time I go over to my mother in law's house or even my wife, she just cooks so much more food than we need. I'm like, I can't even eat this. And they're like, Eric doesn't even eat her sisters. Eric doesn't even eat anything. I'm like, I just ate a chicken cutlet, a bowl, a bowl of pasta, and then garlic bread. Now you want me to have X, Y, and Z? I can't yeah. eat anymore. Come on, manja, manja. Come oh on. Oh my. But well, that's the way. You know why? Because we break bread, and we all our memories are surrounded by a table. So the more food you had, the longer you're at the table, you know? For sure. That's a great way of looking at it. And that's, and that's what I always say. So listen, we got a meal on the table. It doesn't matter if we're eating or not. We're all here at this that's moment. It. It's funny because it's kind of like um, it's kind of like what you do with cigars, right? Like, you know, at times you break bread, everybody's at the table, you're conversing, you're having a good time. It's like, all right, keep keep eating. The more you're eating, the more you're having a good conversation. Mm. You do that at the cigar lounge. You have a cigar, right? Light, come on, have another one. Come on, let's light. You want another one? All right, light another one. You know, you got another hour of conversation. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. I was I was pumped up to hear that you're a huge cigar guy. I forget. I think you said one of your favorite cigars are, are Fuente, right? Are you like Opus X, if I remember correctly? I like Opus X. I like a lot. Of, I like it. I mean, right now, you know what? Right now, I'm doing the Placencia. It's a pretty mm. good cigar. Oh yeah. I, I, I switch around a lot. I mean, I got a big collection. I got a huge humidor in my house. I probably got about I don't know seven eight thousand cigars. I'm crazy. I buy a lot. I just, it's crazy because I used to smoke one a night and now it's like one a week just because we're so busy, always something going on to get home. I'm tired. And usually I can't have it any other time before bed because otherwise I'm toast the rest of the day. No doubt. So, but my neighbor, good guy, Mike, he smokes cigars every night. So he's a bad influence. He calls me every night. I'm like, all right, let me see what time I'm getting off. I'll come over. (laughs) So what, do you remember the first cigar you ever had? I, you know, it's going to sound weird, but I think it was a Cohiba. I think it was um, be, what was it? a bike or what do they call a be, it? A bahike, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that was my first cigar, and it, and it made me sit down. Wow! And I was like, damn, I like this. I like cigars. So he and went I thought big. I was some cool kid just puffing as fast as I could. My head, I, I was holding on to the seat, going, "What's going on in me?" But then, you know, after that, you start smoking, you start really enjoying the flavors of what the cigars meant for you know, and, and I got into it. Yeah, it's like a you know. You know, being a chef, it's the same thing with cigars. It's you have a master blender who's a chef, but exactly. instead of having salt, pepper, garlic, onions, he's got Dominican, Nicaraguan. He's got maybe a, a corojo or a creole. Like he's got all these different leaves, and he's got to yeah. make something that you're going to enjoy. It's a work of art, yeah. just like a, you know, just like a plate that yeah, you're absolutely. making. It's it's uh, we had the the a previous guest that we had, um, J, owner of J London Cigars, John Fiant. He said that it was consumable art. And I wow. feel like Great. what you do is exactly that yeah, because same thing. it's an yeah. art form that somebody it's can eat, right? Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. I like that. Consumer bar. Yeah. I, I told him, I said, listen, you said it on the podcast, but I'm taking it from now on. Like, I'll give you credit, <laughs> but that's, that's the difference. We're taking it. Sold. Because <laughs> when you think about it, there's only a few things you know, on the planet that – or a few people that do that, right? You have chefs. You have master rollers and blenders. And then you have um, – uh, um, I guess you'd call them the winers, the, the wineries, yeah. the oh, vineyards. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And those are kind of the three. Okay, maybe, you know, breweries. Those are like the four things that you really, with, you know, liquor, let's call it alcohol, food, and then tobacco. tobacco like the three That's areas it. where it's an art form that you're creating something yeah. that you can consume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it um, like, I, you know, my, again, I keep referring to my wife, her, her favorite thing's food. So food network, it's always on, you know, chop, yeah. chopped, you know, all the crazy food shows, but you see all these crazy chefs, you know, in your opinion, what makes you a successful chef? You know, it's funny because years ago as a chef, I would have said money. Oh, you're, you know, you're packed, you're making money, you're successful. Now I think it's the, what the guest perception of what you cooked, right? It's better to, is it better to be known as, oh, that chef's got a lot of dough or that chef, chef makes amazing food. So there's a lot of chefs in town that we know that great TV guys, but maybe they can't cook. And then some of them can actually cook. You're like, damn, that guy's a very good, talented chef, like Thomas Keller, right? Guys, not only is he blown out everywhere, sorry, my phone's going crazy, blown out everywhere, but he's an amazing, amazing chef. So he's known for food first. And so I'd like to be known for food first. Like you go to any one of my restaurants, food is amazing. Oh, then he's a crazy fun guy. The restaurant's hot, it's sexy, it's sick, but you know, his food is money. Yeah, you want to be known for, you know, what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And what the, your trade is, the, of course. Then the yeah. personality and the fun comes after. You know? and, I, yeah, and I feel like I feel like one will bring the other, but it's not the reverse. Like if, if you make a great plate of food, eventually, you know, people are going to want it. People are going to talk about it. People yeah. are going to come. You're going to make yeah. the money. But if you have a lot of money, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a good plate of food. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know that's right. Saying? You could just be a busy restaurant, right, right location, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I wish I should have asked all my buddies and my brothers and all the food that we ordered from Hash. I wish I I, I could have told you what we had. I know it was good. We're, we all left like, well, first of all, we walked in with like twelve bags of luggage. So yeah, because we couldn't go to the house because we landed early and we couldn't check into the house until four. So yeah. we're like, what, what do we what do? What day of the week did you guys come in? Th- uh, Thursday <laughs> afternoon. Oh, so we didn't even have the DJ going. No, Friday, no. Saturday, Sunday, it's nuts. No, no, it was still, it was like Thursday at like two o'clock. It was still packed. I'm shocked yeah. that we even got a table because we had what, 12 yeah. guys? Yeah, we That's had a huge. Funny. But they had like, you yeah. know, the host was like, yeah, we'll put all your bags behind the behind the desk here. And it was like mounds. Yeah. I was like, geez. But it was good. I mean, it was it was delicious. I'll yeah, I don't that. even remember. Oh, I don't thanks. remember what we. And uh, I, I will admit a sin. I'm glad you sent me mugs, but I, I'm a fan of glasses and mugs, so I might have yeah. took this from the restaurant. Good. <laughs> Why do you think there's advertisement on it? <laughs> 100%. You know, it's funny, it's funny you mention that because there's a restaurant um, in New York City um, called Tao. Uh, and uh-huh. they have, I mean, they have a bunch of other ones. There's yeah, they one. got them in Vegas. Yeah, they got them all over the place. So my brother from another mother works at Lavo, which is a sister restaurant. But he was telling me that at Tao, they have these little um chopstick holders where when you it's just you it's just a little like pa- uh-huh. little paper little figurine yeah. that you put on the table and when you're done with your chopsticks you can lay your chopsticks on it so they don't I touch the one. table if you take yeah. it right on the bottom if you flip it over it says stolen from tau oh really? printed on the bottom oh, as a, because really? they know that everybody takes them so they printed it on the bottom and you're and it's like a thing you're supposed to take it they, uh, they make funny. millions of them. You're supposed to take because they know that's that. That's genius. So, but, you know, with the Mexican concept, I did, you know, custom plates. And they got skulls, like all this stuff. And people are literally walking out with the plates. And I'm going to put that on them now. The next batch is going to have that. So that's a good, yeah. Boy, I, no, I stole it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, where do you, do you find that a lot? Do you find like cups and mugs and stuff get taken from the restaurant? Like, how do you keep track of all that stuff? 
You know, it's funny. Back in the day, they used to charge the employees 2% breakage fee. And that would cover all this stuff. You can't legally do that anymore. But, the, you know, between breakage and theft and what's going out, you know, we order monthly. You know, forks, knives, spoons, glassware. Like, we just we create now cool stuff. Like, the newest glass at Sicilian Butcher is the Statue of David Ed. And it's got a gold chain and it says the name of the restaurant, Butcher. But, like, you know, they cost us 13 bucks a glass. And so now we're inventorying because we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, they broke. They're going to go out the door. But see, if I put something like that in it, then it's fun. You know, I got to I gotta do something like that. I mean, if you put like stolen from hash, I mean, people might second think like uh, if you put it right there, like, oh, maybe I won't take they that. Put it, you put it like on the bottom so that people don't yeah, know. Yeah. And then when they have a mug and they, they go to take a drink and somebody's looking at it like, oh, shit, it's a stolen from hash. <laughs> That's great. It's a good idea because I mean I'm like I said I I love beer glasses so like if I'm at a bar or a restaurant yeah. and I have a cool beer glass I'm like I used to tell when I was young I'd be like mom put this in your pocketbook now I'm like oh, let yeah. me put it on the floor I'm gonna put it in my pocket I'm gonna yeah. walk put the napkin over it <laughs> but you know it's funny I used to own a beer a, a brewery style restaurant in California and the glassware usually at those places are donated or given in because like you have the delirium glass and all the different glasses so we didn't care who took them we're like whatever you know take them home they usually have the the information about the beer on them, you know. Now, what was the first? What was the name of your first restaurant that you opened up? My first restaurant was called Joey's California Bistro in, in uh, Coronado, California. I was wow. 20 years old. I couldn't even be on the liquor license, and it taught me the hard knocks of the restaurant business. And my dad was super successful, and I thought it was all easy. And you opened up, and it was fun. Uh, working seven days a week, morning, noon, and night. I was engaged at the time. And then uh, I put my wife got married quick so she can come help me. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, you know, it was an uh, interesting time to really learn the business when you're on your own. Yeah. What, what, what was that experience like being 20 years old and just being at, like in the real world? And you're like, all right, here's my first restaurant. Let's see how it goes. Like, what was that experience yeah. like? You know, I, I think that it's just the immaturities, right? Like, oh, I'm the big boss. You know, I own a restaurant. I'm this, I'm that. And at the end of the day. You know, I used to say, oh, this money came in, the cash I would take. And be like, I got, I'm making so much money. Oh, wait, you got to pay bills at the end of the month with all this money? <laughs> I don't know what I did with it. Uh, taxes? What's that? <laughs> What's taxes? And it, it was a seasonal. I don't know if you're familiar with Coronado. It's very seasonal. Summers are packed. Winters are dead. And so, you know, you have to save your dough in the summer to make it through winter. And the first season went by. And as I called my dad, I'm like, I think I need some money for payroll. <laughs> He's like, what would you do with all the money for summer? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's somewhere. I think it's parked in my driveway. (laughs) And, you know, you learn that way. And then you just learn, you know, how to treat your employees, how to keep culture, how to to make better food. And there's so many different things that go along with just opening a restaurant, you know, treating your guests the right way, making sure people are at the table, you know, instead of taking them for granted of being in your restaurant. So it sounds like culture is a big deal to you. So. Because I can, I can only imagine just from your Instagram and just being at your own restaurants, it sounds like the culture is unreal. So I just, fo- I just followed you, by the way. I realized that I wasn't following. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was gonna send him a message like, "Hey, you can log back in," and then I was like, "Oh shit, I wasn't following." Yeah. Him. Give him the follow. Yeah, I'm, an, the asshole. Follow. I'm an asshole. It's okay. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but like I always say, like when you're on a business or you have a business, you know, it's not you that makes the business own. It's the people in the run. The Good people boys. within are the uh, the ones that are the lifeblood. So I'm assuming yeah. that culture, you know, employment through the, is through the roof because you want to treat your people right. Yeah. You know, we're focusing heavily on, on that right now because, you know, I can't be at every table. I can't make every dish. So the servers, the bartenders, everyone has to pretend that they're the owners of the restaurant. You know, there's so much competition out there. They can go to any restaurant. You know, what makes them come here? What makes them stay here? 
And it's the love of the employees and making it feel like home. So we try to make our employees feel like it's at home. You know, we try to make them feel like, look, it's not jail. You can, you can talk and have a good time. You can enjoy coming to work. You know, if you go to work and be like, God, I got to go there again today. You know, it's, it's, it's a bad thing. I mean, we have our rough days, right? We have our moments, but you know, for the most part, it's good culture. Yeah. I mean, you don't really like, I know today is today's day and age. It's all about the culture and making everyone feel good about it. But it, it plays an important part. Like you don't want someone waking up and being like, oh, fuck, I got to go do this. You want to be like, oh, shit, I'm going to go. Pa- I'm going to work. I'm going to party. Have a good time with party. my customers. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make them feel good. Because my, yeah. bro- my brother worked um, in the restaurant industry for a little, you know, quite some time. He was at an uh, Italian restaurant in Long Island. And he like he had a full-time job, but he, like he couldn't get rid of He couldn't leave like the grind. Like he loved the cash every <laughs> single weekend. He just loved me. Like he's a big personality. So he loved making people yeah, feel it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, so I said, hey, you know, I'm getting this, you know, uh, you know, I'm getting this world famous chef on Chef Major. He goes, "Oh, you got to ask him. You got to ask him if there's any um, what do you call it? Back of the house stories? Is that it? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of back. How, how, how deep you guys want to go? I mean, there's a lot. But in a kitchen, there's bad. I mean, we've had the craziest, two craziest stories. Is when I was a young chef, you know, I thought that my shit didn't stink and what I made was the best. And I remember these guys. I stand on the line on Expo after prepping all day, and if they didn't create a dish the way I wanted, I'd I'd Gordon Ramsay their ass and I'd be crazy in the kitchen, right? Well, one day this guy starts talking back to me. So I, I throw a dish. He throws a dish back. So what happens in about 10 minutes is no food's coming out of the kitchen, right? We're having a <laughs> food fight in the kitchen. We're ever going at each other. And then the other times is, you know, just messing around in the kitchen. I saw a guy, we're in the back, we're talking, you know, loosely having fun. Dude, sliced off his finger right on the slicer. We're talking, just went right off. And then when you, when you see those kinds of things that go on in kitchens, you're like, all right, let's Take a little bit more serious, slow it down a little bit. Let's not be Gordon Ramsay and it's good for TV, but it's not realistic for the staff. And uh, make sure people don't get hurt. So the guy sliced his his whole finger off. Off. We were cutting eggplant really thick on the slicers, and it was him and me. We had two slices, and we were going fast, and we were being smart asses with each other. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and every heartbeat, I saw blood going. Oh. And I go, oh, my God. And it's, I, I, you know, we, we turned it to his arm, but it's, uh, you know – Things like that happen, you start realizing, all right, you know, let's take a little more serious. Wow. That reminds me of it. When I was growing up, I worked in a pizzeria. That was like my high school job, right? I did everything in a pizzeria. I was making the pizza. I started as a delivery guy. It's funny. You start as a delivery guy and you like work your way up, right? You're not quite ready to be behind the counter yet. And then once you're behind the counter, then you're not quite ready to get the register. And then if you finally made it to like you can make the pizza – you're like big dog, right? You're the big dick in the kitchen. Yeah. But um, it reminds me of a guy in the the in the back, and all these guys in the back were from uh, like South America, all different regions. Yeah. And one guy was was um, uh, was was cutting, it, and they were illegal, so he couldn't like you can't go to the hospital like the guy's yeah. illegal. Yeah. So he cuts part of his tip of his finger off, right? And I go back there, and we're like, I see him. He has like. Five or six napkins just on with like tape, duct taped around it, like two gloves on it. And he goes back to work and he starts cutting. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, what am I, what am I, where am I supposed to go? Yeah. <laughs> so I can't go Where's to the going to go? How's he going to pay his bills? He's like, back I got to work. That was it. He's like, yeah. I got a money Someone to make. I can't go anywhere. That's it. He goes, I just freaking rub some dirt on it, duct tape it. I go, you're an animal, dude. Animal. Yeah, it's a beast. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? You got to do what you got to do. 
I, ha- I do have a friend who uh, he's an inspiring chef. I haven't told him that you are, we we're going to have you on, but I wanted to enlighten him to come with yeah. knowledge. So if you have someone who's inspiring to be a chef or a restaurant owner, what's some like pieces of advice, you know, you give some, you give out. Yeah. So I went to culinary school out of high school. I was the youngest guy. It wasn't even 18 yet. It was just turned 18 maybe. And uh, my dad fought me. He's like, don't forget culinary school. You come learn in the kitchen, you know more than, than they learn. So I went to culinary school, long story short, I should have just went into kitchens. You learn a lot more, right? Unless you're going into hotel or cruise ships or different things. I mean, culinary school, you know, is a good thing for certain career paths. But but for any aspiring chef, I'd say go to the restaurant you like or the cuisine you like, go work with them. Go in and just go in the kitchen, talk to the chef, like, yo, can I do a weekend here? Can I stage with you? Can I learn, see if I really like the business? Because cooking at home and cooking for two or 300 people, whatever it is you're doing, is completely different. And, you know, once you like it, then decide, okay, is culinary school right for me? Do I get on with a good restaurant group? Like the majority group, come over, we need you. And, uh, you know, train you into that, what you want to be. But the problem with a lot of chefs is they want to be a well-rounded chef. So they have to stay, you know, at one restaurant six months. Then they go to another guy for a year and they move around. And it's hard for the first four or five years as being a chef because you're not making real money yet because you're not able to move up to the ladder because you're trying to gain all that experience, right? But we have guys, like I have guys that work for me that no schooling whatsoever. They can't read. I mean, they're just bad, right? The best guys, I would go to war for these guys. On a Sunday, when you're doing 2,500 people, that's the dude you want next to you. Not the guy that knows all the proper stuff from culinary school. So, <laughs> I'd say for an aspiring chef, like go out and see if you really like it and get into it because we need more chefs in this world. Yeah, because that's kind of, uh, you know, I mentioned, we talk about this on the podcast every once in a while about, you know, going to school and college. And we, I bring up the point that college is great for certain uh, career paths, like you said, right? If you want to go on a cruise ship or you want to, you know, you have to go to culinary school. Or if you want to be an engineer, you got to go to school. You want to be a doctor, a lawyer. You go, But there's certain other ways that you can learn way much, way more by just going into yeah. a business and learning it from the because that four years or it could be eight years if you're you know a doctor that could be time spent you know in certain areas again that could be time spent learning hands-on yeah. and then you don't come out with all this student loan debt yeah. right like you yeah, know well, yeah. for instance hospitality get, hospitality yeah, is a perfect to, one it's, it's got to go to trade school it's got to go for what your trade is because overall you know i just if you want to be a chef you go learn how to be a chef you want to be an attorney go be an attorney like you know, wasting all this time, like you're saying, does what? Does this waste money? Student yeah, loans. exactly. And then, like a biggest one is hospitality, right? Like you can go to school. You don't need to go to a four-year school to learn oh. hospitality. Yeah, go my, work in yeah. a hotel and learn hospitality. Work my, your uh, ranks. My uncle went to uh, University of Las Vegas for hospitality, hotel, hotel management. And he's like, why the fuck do I get this degree? Now he owns his own, you know, uh, senior citizen living <laughs> living company down in yeah. Florida. But forever, he was, my dad was like, you go on to school to work for a hotel. He's like, what are you, you, know, you going to do? You can just work at a hotel. Why you got to go to college for that? And you can learn all the you can learn all the ins and outs from the current owner and the current manager. And they yeah. can teach you like, listen, this is hands on. Yeah. Let me tell you how to. I know this is what they say in a textbook. Don't listen to that bullshit. This is how it really works. Come on, it's like life, right? The guy in the streets always going to be smarter than the guy in the book. I mean. Let's be real. Like if you learn your trading, you're in the restaurant. You're gonna know better than the guy reading about it. That's well, right. it's like they say: the people, those who can't do, teach. Yeah, right. The ones, the yeah. ones who who really can do it are the ones that have learned how to do it. Right. But <laughs> the ones it. who can't do it, they wind up going into the book so that they can teach people how to do it. Yeah. No, no. 
So I, I wanted to, uh, before we get into the cigars, I wanted to ask you, so the Sicilian butcher, the hash kitchen, you know, where did you get these concepts from? Like, where do you get the inspiration for having driving good culture, you know, having these crazy names? Is just because there's not a lot of Italian spots in Arizona? What's the deal? Yeah. I don't know. You know, what's funny. It's like, I just, I lay in bed and I don't sleep and I just try to create concepts. Like what's the next big thing or what did I like about that restaurant that I can do better? You know, and I think that's, that's just what goes on. And I always try to stay above the curve, you know, big social media. How do, how do we be better than the next guy? And I just, every brand I do, it's like built around social media, Instagram, wow factor foods and, and creative crazy ways. So as we started doing that with hash, it played into Sicilian butcher and now Mexicano and future brands. Well, and you, have, and it's called the majority group, right? You, like your network of the restaurants. Group. Got it. Yeah. And, and how many restaurants are underneath the majority group? Or- right now we have the, the Hash Kitchen. So I have five locations and they're going on nine more right now. So we're going to do a lot of those across the country. And then we have uh, the Sicilian Butcher, Sicilian Baker, which I have three of those of each. And then the Mexicano, just one. We're opening two and three now. So when are we, we going to get the Joey footprint in New York? I would love to. Man. That's a dream. Let's see what happens. It's probably, it's probably tough, and especially, oh, yeah. especially now. And I, I can yeah. imagine that the... Um, the real estate is uh yeah the real estate isn't the, the friendliest it, it, part yeah, i was now. gonna say isn't isn't the cheapest in uh, new york city <laughs> have you looked in new york before what's that have you looked in new york like opening up in new york before you know what not no because to look at it, it didn't make sense if we're not gonna do it but what everyone tells me forget it like i wouldn't you know i'm sure the other areas like manhattan this would be tough to do a restaurant we had a guy my dad knew this guy uh tony may just passed but he had great restaurants throughout new york and his rents were psycho. I wouldn't even touch that. Yeah. And when you think about it, too, is competition. Let's be honest. Italian cuisine in New York, It's uh, there's there's one on every fucking corner yeah. in Manhattan. Every <laughs> corner. And they're all good. The sick part is they're all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all good. So it's like, I mean, you're just, I feel like you open up an, uh, an Italian restaurant. It's like, all right, it's just another Italian restaurant. Yeah, exactly. You blend How in with everybody. Different? Now, yeah. are, are your are your kid are your kids following your footsteps? Are you trying to guide them? Are you kind of let them do their own thing? Yeah, they they want to. So my older daughter's twenty one. She wants to be a psychologist and she wants to fix her dad. I think. And then uh, <laughs> my my son is nineteen. He's trying. To, he wanted to be a soccer star. Got injured. So now he's trying to figure out life. He wants to be in the business, but I want him to do other stuff because the restaurant business is it's tough business. And then my little girl's sixteen and she just wants to enjoy life. Right now, but they all say they want to get into the restaurant business. They're brought into it. They love it, but they also see how hard we work. We're seven days a week all the time. And there's a lot of easier ways to making money. If you don't have the passion and love for it, yeah. you know, I don't want to see them getting this way. My son, I think, will eventually come into this and take over. I'm not sure about my daughters yet. Would that would that be like a, a dream of yours to work side by side with your son, like you and your father? Oh, it would be a dream with all three of the kids. I mean, that's amazing, right? And you know, and my dad, that was his dream. And we didn't have a choice, but it was it was his dream that he was making reality. So me and my sister were in there. But it's rewarding when, when you see the right place successful and the world's right and everything's going good. But this business is a beast if it goes the other way, you know. So, yeah. you know, it's tough. Could yeah. you see them having their own, like each one of them having their own, um, what's the word, like their own theme, right? Like you said, your son was a soccer player who got injured and then he still, you know, obviously loves yeah. soccer. He could have a yeah. a restaurant that's kind of, catered towards soccer right? he's got a lot of soccer stuff football magiano you know what i'm saying what do you mean? that's it no that kid he wants to open a club and just hang out with the ladies you know, i know <laughs> my son doesn't care about the soccer anymore sounds uh, about it's right funny because 
my older daughter and my son, let's open a club. Why don't you open a club for us, Papa? Let's do a club. And then the little one's like, well, I'll run them all. She tells me, I'll take over what you have. Like, she's smart. The other ones want to go out yeah. fun. She's like, no, no, I take over where you started. That's that's the smart thinking for she's sure. She's like, I'm going to let all you guys open them up and I'll just manage them all. How about that? That's it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, the restaurant industry is, I think, the most cutthroat competitive industry there is. I think there's some crazy stat about how many failed restaurants open up every year. And uh, I, myself, my family, we had a gourmet hot dog restaurant in Long Island. So we started out with a we started out with a trailer. We had thirty different toppings you could put on a hot dog, and we had all this crazy stuff. We do that. We did that for about five years, and then we opened up a restaurant. And then me and my uncle and my dad were open till like two o'clock in the morning, like trying to figure this stuff out. And uh, it was a doggy doggy world. Like where where we intended, yeah. <laughs> And where we were, it was very competitive. It was like the uh, New York City away from New York City, and uh, it was tough. So we only opened for about five years, but we got. Yeah, that's tough. My mom did have a spot on TV, so it has to count for something. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 not it's the toughest industry for sure. So yeah, I, it's tough. I give you kudos tough. for all the the successes and accolades that you have accumulated. Thank you, thank you. So let, let's get into some of the cigar questions, right? We are a cigar podcast, so let's get into some of the cigar okay. questions. Yeah, baby. So you said your first cigar is uh, was the Cohiba Bahique, which is a hell of a cigar. I think that's, very intense. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the most expensive and best first cigar from anyone that we ever asked. <laughs> and it probably, like you said, it knocked you on your ass because you're just sucking this down like a newbie, and you're like, holy shit! <laughs> it knocked just, me on my ass, and I had no idea what it was. I was like, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know. Cohiba, yeah. I had no hey, idea. look at me over here. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm this guy. <laughs> Cause that's how I did. I, when I when I smoke cigars, I just like the way it looked. I like the mafia guys. I was like, yeah, look at me. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I smoking? Now a two dollar gas station cigar. You're just puff, you know, taking a puff like every five seconds. Then you stand up like, oh god. So what what got you into cigars? Like what was? I mean, that was your first one. But what? Would somebody just hand them to you? Like how'd you get into cigars? Yeah. You know, I was always, we, we do, an, we do a, an Italian party every year in Phoenix. And after the party, it's all guys flying from all over the country. And they do this, this thing, it's about 100 guys. But they would always bring cigars. So afterwards, everyone would smoke. I was always too little. And there was smoke. When I got of age, I started smoking. That was when I had that freaking Gohiba. But then I was like, oh, it's cool. Because then you're hanging out with everyone. You're talking. It's a social aspect, right? So I was like, socially, I don't really like the cigar yet, I don't think. But socially, I love it. And then it became to where you do it enough. Now I start loving it and I don't care where I am to have one, you know? So it's funny how it brings you into that. So you said, so you're a collector of cigars. If you have 7,000, 8,000 cigars, you got to be a collector. So what's some of the cigars in your, uh, in your humidor that are like the unicorn cigars that you're kind of holding on to or that you cherish? Yeah. I mean, I got the, I just, I just got those David offs. Um, what are they called? The, uh, not the Toro. Is it Toro? The gold ones. They're amazing. I waited for like a year and a half. I can't remember the name. I can't the name. Is it the, the Puro de Oro? Yeah, Puro de Oro. Those are the ones. Those are hard. Super Those are hard to get. And so listen, I haven't even smoked it yet. They're sitting in there. Um, you know, I, it's funny because I, I buy a lot of the Opus, all the Fuente. I buy, I buy all this stuff. And I got a guy that's the Cubans for me. So I stack them up. But the ones that I that I get all the time are the culinary uh chef's edition david off i don't know yes. if you guys have tried those oh yet. that's one of my favorites super great cigar so since 2016 or was it eight, i think 16 was the first one 18 when thomas keller had them and so now i buy them every year i probably got three cases of each in there and those are my go-to like fun event nice cigar and because it brings me to food 
to a cigar, right? Yeah. You know, small little Opus X, you know, that's not a bad cigar either to smoke. So So do you, know? you um do you like pairing cigars with food? So I got into that a long time years ago. And then I, I started more doing with the cocktails, right? So now my thing is I do a Negroni with it. You know, I, I got away from the, the bourbon, the scotch, the, the cognacs. Now I'm into like mixed cocktails. This is a pair of teeth. It's bitter. It's got great flavor. It's, it's, it's very botanical. It goes well with the cigar. Um, so I've been doing those with the Placencia lately, which it pairs pretty nice. But I don't, I, you know, I just, it depends where I'm at. You know, it depends what we're, what we're doing. And Sundays, grilling some sausage outside with the cigar. You know, I mean, it tastes good too. Yeah, because there's some, there was a restaurant uh, in New Jersey, right across the river, uh, Inglewood, New Jersey, called Sophia's, where they, it's regular restaurant up top. But then in the basement, they have this little lounge that you go down, down the basement, you walk through the, this long hallway and a door opens up and it's a little lounge. But you can have dinner and smoke cigars there, and it's one of the few yeah, restaurants you know up here in you know in yeah, you in the northeast that you can do that. But when I went, you kind of you have your appetizer cigar, right? So I'm eating, mm-hmm. okay, I'm having my calamari, I'm having the bread, I'm mm-hmm. having a little you know a mild to medium cigar, and then finish yeah. that one. Now I got the steak, and then mm-hmm. I have a glass of wine, and it's the salt, the saltiness, and the butteriness of the yeah. steak goes well with the wine, and then you have the cigar, and it kind of. It was just what an experience to be able to sit down and smoke a cigar. And again, it's like we like I like the feeling of having a cigar in my hand, mm-hmm. smoking a cigar, oh. and being able to eat. And you're drinking the wine, you're conversing with people. It's just it was it was a really cool. The two of the most socially popular things: cigar smoking and eating. There's nothing better. And then you had drinking in there. <laughs> nothing better. You know, there's there's hotels in town. One here called the Sanctuary in Phoenix, and they do a cigar dinner twice a year. And the same thing, you know, you have your appetizer cigar, your mid cigar, and then your final dessert cigar. It's fun. I haven't made one of them yet, but they sell them out. It's crazy. Do you do do you do cigar events at your restaurants? No, it's really tough because we're we're big restaurants, and with the cigars are hard because even with this private space that we have, the, the smell doesn't go away, right? Mm, so if yeah. you do several several parties, you know, people all frown upon it now. You got to be careful with. What smells you have? <laughs> no, it's all about the it's all about the ventilation when it comes to that. That's it. That's it. Now, do do you have like anyone that you enjoy smoking cigars with? Is it like an uncle, one of your best friends, yeah. and who do you yeah, got? Yeah, my very good friend is one of my best friends. His name is Mike Affronte, the guy from Brooklyn. I was telling you guys, he lives here now. He smokes every night, and so my collection is now entering to him because he <laughs> smokes every night. He doesn't need to buy cigars anymore. But it's funny. He's a cigar family. His Two boys smoke and their wife smoke. So they're all hanging out. Everyone's always smoking. So every night he's outside. You know, he's the guy we go smoking with a lot. So if there if there was somebody, we like to ask this question because it really makes people think. If there was somebody, uh, anybody in the world, dead or alive, that you could smoke a cigar with, who would it be and why? My father, Tommaso. You know, he's not here with us anymore. The, the reason why is his stories were remarkable. You know, cigars... Is something where you can sit back and you can enjoy it. But hearing the stories of the old country and how he got here and, you know, that, that to me is more important than anything else. So it would be him. Was sure. he a big cigar smoker? He's not a cigarette smoker. That's what got him. So it's uh, funny. He would tell me, why do you smoke cigars? It's going to kill you. And I'm like, you smoked two packs today of cigarettes. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the stories from your father from, you know, coming over from the over the uh, pond. Or from the probably, old country. Probably amazing 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 you know those stories are gone right now he's gone you know it's it's my turn to 
teach them to the kids and keep that legacy going. hundred percent. Yeah. Now 100%. it's your turn. To, now you tell your stories. That's it. To the kids so that they can then tell their stories and. I can only tell them about half some of my stories, you know. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta wait. You gotta, especially for your sixteen-year-old, you gotta wait a couple of years so you get some stories on that one. <laughs> yeah, your nineteen-year-old's probably like, "Tell me everything with all the women. I want to know all." <laughs> tell me now. What do yeah. I gotta do? <laughs> all right. And with your wife, she's a pretty, you know, she's probably your biggest partner from what I read and watched. Yeah. Like you guys do everything together, concepts, ideas. She's like right there with you. Yeah, she actually runs the entire office, and she she's a CFO. She handles. All the finances, everything. She does the hard work. I do the fun. But it's me and her. She does the decorating and design of the new concepts that we do. But we're together 24-7. We work together. I try to get her into cigars, you know, every once in a while. So I started getting into some flavored little sticks. But she's like, what is wrong with you? So she'll sit outside and have a drink while I smoke. <laughs> so so, so she handles all the finances. So do you ever get a slap on the wrist when you're buying thousands of cigars? <laughs> Every I guess I hide them now when they get delivered. I tell my <laughs> lady there, it's okay when the box comes, put it in the garage. But she's like, "You're nuts! You're crazy!" But yeah. that happened with um, I just got a uh, a new a, another humidor. I'm just saying new humidor because it didn't replace the old one. But it was the uh, the new air, the fifteen hundred count big fridge one, right? Yeah, yeah. fridge one. So, yeah. so I had a smaller one. I had the five hundred count one, mm-hmm. uh, and then. You know that's completely filled up, obviously. So I have I got this other one because we have our cigar coming out, and I'm like, I need I need I'm running out of room. I'm so I get this big thing, and it comes in this big pat big box on a pallet, and it's out in the front. And my fiance, she's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's a it's a humidor." <laughs> she's like, "But you have one already." I said, "Yeah, but this one's bigger." She goes, "But you don't need them." I said, "No, you you always need more." She said, "You have too many. You have enough cigars." I go, "No, you can never have enough cigars." Never. <laughs> you never have enough cigars. It's funny. So my humidor, I had the small little humidor. And then I was building a restaurant, and next to the restaurant was an old cigar shop or vape place or whatever they were selling in there. And he had one of those huge wall humidors, and he had two of them in the back of his truck. And I'm standing outside. The guy's like, I said, what are you doing? You, you leaving? He's like, well, I'm going to sell these today. I sell them. How much you want? He wanted like $500 a piece. So I was like, all right, I'll take one. I took one. I sent it to my wood guy. He refinished it. Looks like it was made for the house. This huge thing. Five hundred. Uh, I should have bought both of them if I would have known better. Five five hundred bucks. Nothing. And, and the, I bought all the the new equipment inside, but you know the humidor equipment. But it's a beautiful piece. Yeah, it's one of those huge cabinets. Those are like five grand. Those yeah. I know. <laughs> Nuts. It's amazing. I'll send you guys a picture. That's yeah. a steal I'll right be- there. You guys send me that guy's information so I can buy one of those. <laughs> yeah. Call him up, you, like, hey, I, got, I know a guy. You told me that you are selling these. Can I? <laughs> yeah, just back to your truck. You yeah. might need a you might need a lock soon, because if your son starts getting into the cigars, I've heard many stories of the sons kind of just peeking into the, the yeah. car cat. Hey, where's my where'd my Fuente go? Where'd my Padron go? Uh, uh, and that's what they do. I tell him him and his friends are going to come take the cheap. You know, they're going to take the expensive ones. But it's funny. It has a lock, and I put some TSA locks on it, <laughs> so like luggage locks. And he's like, "Why do you have those?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Why do I have those?" Yeah, there you go. Feel the wrong cigar. You got to tell people whenever they see the uh, the cabinet humidor and they say, "Where'd you get that?" Eh, they fell off a truck. <laughs> yeah, I do. Fell off a truck. Yeah, I know a guy. I know. A guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. Yeah, these everyone got a guy. Stolen. What do you mean? They fell off a truck. So I mean, to go back to Arizona. I mean, I love Arizona. So I was in Scottsdale for the first time of the summer, and I wanted my my wife went shortly after she went to hash. So I told her, and she's like, "Oh my god, I love that place! You gotta tell my one. I got this, this, and this." I'm like, "I can't remember everything that you uh. ordered." But Scottsdale is like 
And I think it's a very underrated place because you don't hear about Scottsdale too often. I mean, I think now you do. But when I was booking, my brothers were booking my bachelor party. After I went, like four or five other people went to Scottsdale and it just started blowing up. I mean, what's what's the attraction over in Scottsdale? Because it's only getting more popular, I feel like. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It used to be inexpensive, fun place, always sun, golfing, resorts, you know, a great place. Now it's becoming expensive. Half of California is moving here. Uh, so the change in the landscape. But it really turned into an awesome place. And we've been back here nine years. I got here right before this next hike. And, you know, you can get a, a beautiful home for inexpensive, great place. Taxes are good. You know, it's all climbing now with, with the world. But it's an awesome place to live, man. The problem is June through August, you got to be able to leave. You have to leave for at least a, a weekend, a month, or, or a week. I, mean, I try to leave as much as possible. <laughs> but 120, and they tell you, ah, oh, it's a dry heat. I don't care what kind of heat it is. Don't your matter. eyeballs are on fire. Don't matter. Yeah, and the kitchens are like 400 degrees. You know, it's, I, well, it's that brutal. Was, that was like when we went for his bachelor party, right? We we went, we were hanging out the, the one night, you know, everybody's boozing up and they're out until 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, I said, man, we got to golf tomorrow, guys. Like, I don't, you know, you can't blow your load the first first night because we're golfing tomorrow and it's going to be 100 plus. And oh, uh, everybody's trouble. like, nah, nah, we're going to rally. We're going to rally. We woke up that next morning. We went golfing. It was like we golfed at noon too. It's like high noon. Yeah. It's like 105, <laughs> and you could see everybody's just dogging it. Just, just they could barely stand up. It was hot. It, it was. was hot. Like you said, I don't care. It's dry. Oh, it's dry. I don't give a shit. No, okay. I think it. I for me, I was like, listen, it's 90 degrees, but. This is Arizona, ninety degrees in New York. You're like walking through the freaking humidity. Ugh. You're like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is a little bit of a difference between like dry heat and New York northeast humidity. Because I'll say I'll take ninety degrees dry heat all day. The problem with the dry ninety heat is- degrees. I agree with you. Yeah. After one hundred and five. Oh yeah. No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> so so have you? Because uh, we were talking about how Scottsdale is kind of up and coming, and a lot of people from California are leaving to go to Scottsdale. Um, I noticed that a lot of people in California are also going over to Texas, to, to Austin, mm-hmm. Texas. A lot of people are moving to Austin. Do you have any restaurants? Are you thinking about opening any restaurants in Texas? Believe it or not, we're doing six. But we're doing them in uh, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio right now. One in Houston. Uh, the hash brand is going first. We're opening them all over there. Texas is a great market for restaurants. I love it. So that's that's one we're going into. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think Austin will probably be your biggest bang for your bucks because yeah. all i heard because uh, austin i've hear all i hear is it's a, a young town technology mm-hmm. town just like just like scottsdale a lot of people are going there big groups are yeah. going there so if you open up a, a hash there because i go down my fiance is from austin texas so we go down you know a few times a year so if there's yeah. one opening up there gotta take her we're opening up by the domain i don't know if you're familiar with that area it's a big mall but it's uh, Austin's unbelievable. We we sight toured there about four or five months ago, and I was like, "Damn, this is a cool place to live." And yeah, it's only getting bigger. So, is it like yeah. a are you franchise? Is it like a franchise? Are you franchising them or? No, no. I partnered with a big restaurant group called the Savory Fund, and they have two hundred and fifty restaurants. And basically, what they do is they take smaller groups like me, and they'll take a brand. They they bought fifty one percent, and then they go launch them. And the thought is to get to 30, 40 units, and then sell it to the. The big guy. And that's ah. where the, the last bite is. Yeah, that's where that's where all the cash comes from. That's yeah. that's that's where the deal that's is. The, yeah, that's the big. That's yeah. when the big bucks start rolling in. Now, is it? I heard that. I watched. I watched something. Are, are you on? Are getting a Netflix special or are you on Netflix? I heard something. Something in the wind there. No, no. We were we were working on that show with Food Network. There was some noise that it was going to go to. They were going to end up selling it and go to Netflix. But right now, it's still sitting with the network. So 
We'll see what happens. You could sell it. I mean, God, there's how many? There's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's Amazon Prime, there's HBO Max. I mean, shit, it's you all can, going to that. Yeah, it's you can sell it to any one of those. <laughs> so, do you, so you think it's going to be released eventually? It's hard because so Food Network bought it and produced it. So they they took us out. They they hired another company. They basically produced it. So it was a Food Network show. So they sit on it. So it's their decision now if they're going to either go. They'll end up selling it if they don't use it. It's just when and how long, yeah, right? Yeah. So the whole season is filmed, is ready to go. I saw it. I'm like, God, this has got to get released. It's <laughs> awesome. But, you know, it just sits there now. So we'll see what happens. So, I'm yeah. pushing it. So how is it like being recorded 24-7? Like, besides, like, obviously, you work in your regular everyday life, and now you got a camera. Like, what's the difference yeah. in life then? Listen, I'm Italian. I'm fucking New York guy. I like cameras on me. Come on. <laughs> always in this show. No, I mean, it doesn't bother me because it's, it's what I do. You know, if I, I couldn't be an actor, right? Go out and just read a script and be that person. That's not who I am. But if it's about what I do every day, it's easy to talk about. It's easy to be who you are, right? It's about cooking, flipping restaurants. And I do that every day. So if the cameras don't bug me, I like to. <laughs> oh, well, you're definitely a man for the camera. I mean, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube and I was like, this this man is made for the camera. <laughs> yeah, like you say, you know, it's, you're just, you're not putting on a facade. You're just, you're being you. So yeah. it's like, I, you it's know, we you. do the same thing here on a podcast. It's people, you know, they talk to us and they, they say, listen, you know, we watch you guys because you're you're genuine. You bring the authenticity. The way you guys are off camera is the same way you are on camera. So, and that's why people ask us, I go, it's really no different. Except we're doing the same thing we're doing, having a conversation yeah, over a cigar, except the mics are on and the camera's on. That's it. There's no, yeah, it's I'm, funny. When, when, when you do your shit with about, about cigar smokers and your wife and this and that, I, we laugh our ass off when we watch. It's funny. Oh, we filmed we filmed the, we filmed some good ones oh. uh, earlier today. We because we, we sit here, you know, when we have an hour, we go through, you know, five or six of them each. Yeah, and we just put them out, and they're just you know, it's just fun to do. Some of them are fun. stupid. Some of them but are relatable, which is which is fun. There's yeah, people, like when you get you like, oh shit, that's the truth. You know? Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's just about being relatable because you know, there's not too many like relatable funny cigar things out there. No. So when people watch it, they're like, that's that's my wife. That's what I go through. That's me. <laughs> the funniest one is where you were. I think you're walking out. You're like, oh yeah, my wife thinks when I walk in the cigar bar, all the women are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I die. I almost spit out my coffee. I was like, no way. I try. I try to get it to my wife. She's like, you're nuts. Oh, dude, it's so it's fun. And that and you know we're like I, when we record these things, we're like, man, we're so, this is so stupid. Like if anyone saw the things that we do to make these dumb videos, like people are like, yeah. what are you doing? But that's that's the de- you know that's yeah. that's the world we live in now. That's the game. Do it right? for the gram. You know, you know it's the same thing we yeah. like the camera just to promote the podcast because if we didn't have the podcast we wouldn't be doing these these videos no. here but yeah it's fun and keep it going i think you guys are on to something i love it man so uh we're uh i don't know i want to i want to go back to arizona that's all i keep saying I just keep <laughs> anytime right. and you guys come back now i cook for you next time you'll have a blast yeah well i'll have to uh definitely get in contact when we reach out to you because yeah, absolutely um my wife has been there. I've been there, but we have not been there together. And I'm like, listen, we need to go somewhere warm where it's consistent, but it's not crazy. Yeah. She's like, let's go to Scottsdale. I said, perfect. Let's okay, go get to a little uh, summer, a little house. I wouldn't say summer house because you're not going to go to Scott, but you get a little spring house yeah. or something. That's it. That's yeah. all you need. So that's it. But so anyway, so we're so we're coming down to the uh, to the end of the show, and this is where we like to give you the the red carpet to promote all of your stuff. You know, what's the next big thing? Uh, for for you, what's the next big thing for your restaurants? Where can people find you? Where can they you know reach yeah. out to you? The red carpet is yours. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. But Scottsdale, Arizona, we got restaurants all over here. The majority group, Hash Kitchen, the Sicilian Butcher, the Sicilian Baker, uh, the Mexicano. 
I got a new rotisserie concept opening up soon. I got a new Italian concept called the Italiano opening up soon. So we're here. We're a concept concept group here. Anything you need, we'll take care of you. Thank you so much. Love it. Love it. If you want the best finest cuisine in Scottsdale, you know where to find them. And if you yeah, don't, reach it, out buddy. to us and we'll tell them. That's it. But but Joe, we really appreciate you coming out here. We know you, you got to uh, you. attend to your event. So no uh, it's been a pleasure finally getting you on and getting know. to know Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you. Pre- I know you're a big chain guy, so I I whip the chain out a little yeah. bit. I, I like it. All I was right? gonna say I like it. I got I got my I got mine tucked tucked in a little bit. Because how many chains got, you got there? You got like four or five chains? No, no, three. Just three today. Wow. Oh, there's three today. Three today. Now now I know now I know where all the money from your first restaurant went. It's hanging on your neck. That's it. But at least I, at least I still have it though. <laughs> hey dad, where all the money go from? It's right here. Here it is. <laughs> do do you typically wear three chains? Every day. Every day. It's funny because my, my my corporation name is called Two Chains. It's called Two Chains Court, me and my wife holdings. And I thought now we need to amend that. And she goes to three, I said, no, do four because I'm getting the edge for the next one there you go <laughs> wow they just keep getting bigger and longer every now you gotta get bigger <laughs> now you got now you gotta get the rapper two chains in your restaurant and then you can be two chains yeah, with I the know. two chains we'll get, score we'll get them. that's there so go. fun we'll <laughs> but uh but joe we appreciate you coming on my friend and thank uh, you so we much will, we will see you again soon in scottsdale and with that being said chin chin cheers salute my friend thank you grazie thank you so much guys awesome brother be good take care